this morning we continue on our studies in Romans and we're in still in Romans chapter 1 so I invite you to turn to me to our opening text in Romans chapter 1 verse 21 we're looking at just two texts in Romans um, this is our five fifth sermon in this series number five and it's gonna go on for a long time but we're gonna study the book of Romans together this is a Bible study and we'll be learning what God wants to teach us the message of righteousness by faith and how we all know and we want to and desire to fall in love with Jesus. Amen? And that's what we're going to focus on, the foundational basics of Christianity 101 is falling in love with Jesus. Because if we do, everything will turn out just right. The sermon entitled this morning is Glorifying God, but not as God. We are what we behold. Whatever God is to us is what we will turn into. What we think in our hearts is what we will become. Unfortunately, as we learned in the last sermon, many of us have a distorted picture of who God is. And thus, we have been grossly affected by our thoughts and feelings about God. Right? You know, if I think of all the sermons I've ever preached in the last almost 10 years in this church, I think I've gotten the most positive responses from the last sermon I preached here. And I think you see the importance of the love of God. And you haven't heard it in a... Um, encourage you to get the sermon CD from Josh back there. But you understand and you see desire to want to know and to love God, don't you, right this morning? Amen? So that's what this series is on. My, my purpose of this series is that you fall so fully in love with Jesus that, uh, by the end, not even by the end, but before we reach even halfway the series, that you fall so fully in love with Jesus and that there will be nothing that you would, you would not do for Him. Amen? The question I ask to us this morning is this. How do we ever end up with our or your picture or my picture of God that you have in your mind this morning? And why is it that some of us this morning have such warped views of God? Here's my question. The answer to this question is crucial to us. In order for us to have a completely different Christian experience than many of us are currently having this morning. So this morning, as we continue our study in the book of Romans, may our hearts be open to the cutting truths that God has for us today. Let us pray. Father, we humbly ask for your help and your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us. May you Humble your servant here that your words may be simple and easy to understand. Lord, is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. What did the unrighteous people know that Paul is talking about? Notice what it says here. The Bible says in 21. Because that when they... What is that next word? What is that word, beloved? Knew. God. 
The unrighteous people that Paul is talking about here, at one time or another, they knew God. How important is it to know God this morning? Turn with me to John chapter 17, verse 3. John chapter 17, verse 3. How important is it to know God? Notice what it says here. The Bible says, And this is eternal life. This is eternal life. Right here, beloved. This is, this is a big picture right here. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they might, what is that word? What is that word, beloved? Know thee, the only true God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom you have sent. So, eternal life, salvation, being saved, eternal life, is this. Based on this one word, is based upon knowing God. Right? Do you see that? Knowing God. How is this statement so? Well, Think about it. If you know the character of God, which is God's character is His glory, which is His thoughts and His feelings, especially His thoughts and His feelings that He has towards you this morning, which are thoughts of peace, the Bible says, right? Thoughts of everlasting love towards you this morning. If you were to get a glimpse or understand, especially fully, the love that God has for you this morning, His thoughts and His feelings toward you this morning, if you would understand it, then you will in turn love Him, right? For to know God is to love God, 1 John says. So that's why eternal life is based upon knowing, because if you know God, you will love God. And if you love God, then you will serve God, right? And you will obey God. You see the progression? Step by step. Some of us want to serve and obey God without loving God. Ever been there? I have. What a miserable experience. Now, even though Jesus came to this world, what could be said of this world? Turn to John chapter 1, verse 10. John chapter 1, verse 10. John chapter 1, verse 10. It says here, notice what it, when Jesus came to this world, what could be said of this world? Everyone in the world. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world, what? Knew. Does that word again? Him not. Knew him not. The Bible says that even though Jesus had come into this world in which he had created, the world still didn't know him. Could this be true of some of us here this morning, is my question. Could it be that Jesus has come into our very presence this morning, and yet many of us still do not know him? Could it be that he has repeatedly pleaded with us this morning, and time and time again, but yet he is not known among us? 
Could it be that the very ones who have created, who created us in the very palms of His hands, who created us in a mother's womb, has been unknown to many of us this morning? Oh, how much we need to know Jesus Christ and His Father this morning. Amen? For to know God is eternal life. Now let's go back to Romans. Even though the people, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, even though the people knew God, they still went ahead and glorified God. But notice what it says. Even though the people in Paul's day knew God, what did they still do? Notice what the Bible says. Sorry. Did not know God. Notice what it says. The Bible says, because that, when they knew God, what did they do? They glorified Him. So even though they knew God, they still glorified Him. But the Bible says, but not as God. Are you following that? So glorify means to characterize or to give a certain characteristics or to give thoughts and feelings about God to God. Today, many of us have done the same thing to God. Even though God has revealed Himself to us and has blessed us and done many wonderful things for us, rather being thankful, we still go ahead and make Him out to be a God that He is not. We learned that last time, right? We're making God to be a God that He is not. We give to God character traits that are contrary to the Word of God, right? Why do we do this? In order to find out the answer to this question, we need to go back where it all began on this earth, in the Garden of Eden. So would you turn with me, please, back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Let's look at a little story here this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. What's going on in this story? Notice what it says here. The Bible says, Now the serpent. Now, according to Revelation, who is that serpent? Do you remember? The devil, the dragon, Satan, Lucifer, right? So Satan was more subtle. Now that word subtle also means crafty, deceiving. More subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And notice what Satan did. Notice what the Bible says. Notice Satan's strategy. And he said unto the woman, Yes, yea, has God said you should not eat of every tree of the garden. He's trying to insinuate doubt within, this, within Eve. His first engagement with Eve was to ask a question that questioned the authority of God. But I want you to notice Eve's answer. And we're going to cheer for Eve for her answer. Verse 2 and 3. Notice what she says. She says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She, she was quick and firm to her answer to Satan. She said, God has given us many thousands of trees within the garden. He's been generous. He's been loving. He's given so much. There's so much we can eat from. It's just this one tree that we're just not allowed to eat in. Very firm. She was trusting and dependent and believing in God's word. She trusted God's word. She believed in him. Every word that he said was truth to her. By this response, Eve revealed two things. Number one, 
by a quick and certain response, she showed that she trusted God and she believed in His Word. That's what she revealed. Number two, by saying that you know, God gave us the ability to eat of any tree, that God was a generous God, that God was an unselfish God, that God was a loving God. That's what she revealed. But what did Satan then say to Eve? Notice what it says here. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You will not surely die. Satan said to Eve that if you were to eat of this fruit, you wouldn't die at all. Now, this statement was completely contrary to what God said, right? Now, what was Satan trying to accomplish with this statement? What was he really saying about God's character? What was he trying to say? God is a what? God is a liar. Now, can you trust someone who's a liar? How many can trust someone who's a liar or is lying to you? So he's insinuating that God is no longer trustworthy, but God, now God is a liar. See what he's trying to do with her mind? No longer is God good. He's a, not, he's a liar. He's not trustworthy. You can't trust in him. What do you think happens to a relationship which doesn't have any trust? Husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend. If there's no trust between one another, what happens to that relationship? It dissolves, it destroys. So Satan's plan was to destroy the relationship between Eve and God, breaking the foundational basis of a relationship, which is trust. See what he's trying to do? You see, Satan's goal was to paint for Eve a different picture of God's thoughts and feelings of love toward her. And in order to do this, he first had to create a mistrust between Eve and her God. Do you see that this morning? What's the second thing that happened? Remember her first statement? It showed that, I believe God's word. He said, I can do this. Notice what else Satan did. Verse 5. What did Satan do next? Look at verse 5. For God does know that in a day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as what? God's knowing good and evil. So Eve, if you eat this fruit, if you only would eat this fruit, you become a God just like God. And the reason why God told you not to eat of that fruit is because God doesn't want you to be like Him. He wants it all for Himself. So what do you think what kind of picture do you think that Satan was trying to paint for Eve about God at this time? What kind of picture? That God is what? Selfish. And he not only that, but he wants you to keep you subjected to him and oppressed as a slave human to his God. So God is a selfish God. He's a cruel God. He's an oppressive God. Do you see that? He's changing her thought pictures of her God. What happened next? Verse 6. Notice what happens. The Bible says, 
And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Notice what it says. The Bible says, and when the woman saw or understood, I saw, I see what you're saying. I, she saw, she understood, she believed the serpent. In other words, there was a change in Eve's mind, beloved, this morning. For she no longer believed in God's word, but now she believed in the lies of Satan. She had finally come to the realization that God could not be trusted and that he was a selfish and a cruel God. The Bible then says that Eve ate the fruit. Now I want you to notice that it was only when Eve's picture of God was changed that she ate the fruit. You see, Satan's main goal, he wasn't to come to Eve and pick the fruit and say, Eve, the fruit tastes so good. Here, eat it. Do you think she would have eaten it? Think she would have ate it? Satan knew the only way that he's going to get her to eat that fruit, the only way that he's going to get her to disobey, the only way that he's going to get her not to serve God was to change her mind picture, change her mind of her picture of God first. And when he accomplished that and he knew that he did it to her, then he knew that he had her. Then he knew she would eat the fruit. Satan knew that his only hope was to change the picture of God from an intrinsically good, an infinitely good God to an untrustworthy, selfish, and cruel God. Then he had her. Now why do we, we sin? Look at your papers right here. Look at this pink paper. This I made a little diagram so you can see it more simpler how, how Satan works and how... Um, how the natural progression of cause and effect works. Notice what it says. When we, have, when we know God, or we have a true picture of God, that the Bible does say God is what? Love. I know we have a hard time comprehending that, but God is love. When we have a true picture of God, then to know Him is to love Him. We will love God, right? Naturally. And because we love God, we will naturally obey and serve God, right? Naturally serve and obey God. But, if we have a false picture of God, that God is not really love, we will fear or despise God, and we will end up disobeying and not serving God. Do you see that this morning? Do you see that progression? Some of us like to focus just on serving and obeying God, right? Or we're not, we're in a point where we're not serving, we're not obeying God, we're looking at the, the effects of it. But to really solve the problem, you got to reason from cause to effect, you got to go to the foundation, the beginning, back to the basics, right? Which is, do I love God or do I not love God? That's the question you really have to ask yourself. The, the, these are signs and symptoms that you're sick. You got to go back, you got to go, do I love God? Do I not love God? Now, what did Adam and Eve do now when God came into the garden? No, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. 
And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The Bible says they hid or they ran away from God. You see, before this whole ordeal, whenever Adam and Eve heard the voice of God, they didn't run away from Him. They ran to Him, beloved. Because they loved Him. But now they're running away from Him. Now why did they run away from God? Did God change? There's some Bible texts. I put it on, here, on this paper so you don't have to turn to them. But notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. The Bible says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Malachi 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Amen? Praise God, we have a God that He doesn't change. Amen? So, if God didn't change, then who? Who changed? It was Adam and Eve who had changed. They were the ones who had sinned. They were the ones who, Isaiah 59, who had separated themselves from God because of their sins. It separated themselves from God. They were the ones who had changed. Now, what was the reason that Adam gave for running away from God? Notice what it says in Genesis 3, verse 9 to 10. The Bible says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you, Adam? And it says, And he said, I have heard your voice in the garden, and I was what? Afraid. Afraid of God? Had there ever been afraid of God before? Has this ever entered into their thoughts and their mind, their thoughts, their reasoning, their feelings? Have they ever been scared and afraid of God before? Yes, sin changed them. And it made it harder for them to really see even clearly the love of God. It blinded their eyes to seeing God's love. Remember, they have already seen God and their minds were changed to seeing a God that was once loving and trusting to God who was a liar, selfish, and cruel. It was a natural response that was happening before. The mind changed first. Then they sinned. You see the progression. They, did, they didn't just sin to sin. Their mind was changed first. Then they sinned. And the mind still say the same. In fact, it got worse after sin. That they saw God as being more cruel and mean and oppressive. And that's why they were afraid of God at this time. Beloved, do we do the same thing today? Do we believe in Satan's lies about God that God is someone to be afraid of? Do we believe in Satan's lies about God that we cannot trust him or we cannot trust or believe in his word? Do we believe in Satan's lies about God that all the suffering that we ever went through was all from God? Acts of God. Do we believe in Satan's lies about God that serving Satan in this world is far more appealing than serving God? Now you may say, that was then and this is now. 
Satan is not going to tempt me like he tempted Eve back then. He's not going to come through a means of a serpent that's talking and going to be talking to me to eat a forbidden fruit in a garden. You're right. He's not going to do that. But he will come to you through a different means. Now, if you were to find out what these means were that were to separate you from God, that would make you not for knowing God, if you were to find out what it was that would make you not know God, what would you do toward that thing that made you not know God? Stay away. Would you embrace it? You try and get away as far as possible from the thing that made you know not God, right? Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 22. What did the people in Paul's day do? Romans chapter 1, verse 22. What did the people in Paul's day do? The Bible says, professing themselves to be what? Wise, to have knowledge, to have wisdom, learning. They became what? Fools. Even though these professed people who profess to have worldly wisdom, they in reality didn't know anything. Right? Ever met anyone like that? They profess a lot. They act like they know everything, but really they don't know anything. But about us, like my people here who profess to know, have wisdom, but really don't know anything. The Bible calls foolish. Now, how dangerous was it for them to have this worldly wisdom? Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. How dangerous was it to have this worldly wisdom? Notice the Bible says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by what? Wisdom knew not God. Let me read that again. After the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, by worldly wisdom, the world didn't know God. So how was it the world didn't know about Jesus Christ? Didn't know about the character of God? How was it? By what? Worldly wisdom. Now, where is wisdom, or knowledge, or learning, or teaching, where is it normally taught? In our schools. So in other words, the Bible is saying that the world by its education didn't know God. You see, Satan today uses education as a means to change our perceptions of God so that we won't know Him. Right? In the Garden of Eden, he used the serpent as a teacher, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as a textbook, and he used the forbidden fruit as the motivation to learning. Today, he now uses falsely educated teachers and homeschool parents as the serpent, truth and error-filled textbooks as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and higher education as a motivation of the forbidden fruit. My question to you this morning is, 
Have we come to a point in history where we as a nation are losing a knowledge of God? Think about this. The United States of America was founded upon principles, Christian principles, biblical principles, that made this nation so great in such a short time. We are a very young nation. And God has blessed this nation tremendously. And when we first started off, the, this nation was founded upon Christian biblical principles that made us great. But today, according to statistics, I'm going to read to you from the, the pink paper here, we're living in a time with the highest percentage of unchurched Americans ever in history. This quotation from Adventist Today, page 7, it says, Just 17.5% of adult Americans today in the whole United States now attend church on any given weekend. That's less than one-fifth. Not everyone goes to church. Not everyone is spiritually minded. And even all these people who do go to church, how many of them have a true, correct knowledge or a picture of the love of God that they serve Him out of love and not of, out of duty or for burden? Think about that. A nation founded upon Christian principles and the pathetic state that we are in is as a nation today? Can it not be said today that our nation, by its wisdom, does not know God today? But what type of education was it that pervaded the educational system at Paul's day? Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Turn me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul is writing this letter again. Notice what it says here. Paul said, beware. He's warning us. He's giving us warning signs. He says, beware. Lest any man spoil you through, what is that word? philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ beware of anyone that will ruin you that turn you after the traditions of men rather than the traditions the, the word of God and after Christ who spoil you and deceive you through vain philosophy now Paul the believer in true education and I'm a believer in true education this morning. But at the same time, he was against the false education that was modeled after the world and that was not modeled after Christ. And today, beloved, our educational systems today are modeled, including many of the Christian educational systems and homeschool curriculums today, are patterned after the Greek educational philosophies of Plato about 2300 years ago. All of our educational system is patterned and modern after the Greek philosophy system that was back then in Paul's day. And today it is in our system today. See, Satan is not only concerned about the content that's being taught. He's also concerned about the methods in which it's taught. Then you ask yourself the question, what difference does it make whether I've learned in an education system pattern after the world? Well, let me show you some, some statistics I'm going to share with you. I was at a pastor's meeting in a Hawaii conference workers' meeting with all the pastors. And it was mentioned to us in a meeting 
that according to the, in the conferences in the whole United States, the more educated the members are, meaning the more degrees that they have, the less active and the less spiritual they become within the church. Interesting. Shared at a pastor's meeting. The former general conference president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church came to meet us and gave us a, a, a talk to us, all the pastors. This is from the officials and leaders in the church. And according to our own church statistics that he did between one era of churches and another era, he found out that the churches which are more educated see less growth within those churches. Do you see the connection? The churches were more educated. When they're not educated, the first generation that come in, they're on fire, they grow, they're, they're, they're inspired, they work for God. And the moment the next generation, we're, we're strong in education. When the next generation comes in the church, the church is dying, and it comes the same growth rate as all the other churches. See, beloved, let me look at this quote right here. True education leads to a true picture of God. Is that not true? If you have true education, it leads to a true picture of God, which God is love, right? And if you see that God is love, you will love God. And if you love God, you will serve and obey God. We learned that, right? Let's take it one step further, beyond having a true picture of God. Where do we get this true picture of God? From what we learn, of course. False education. Give, say, what Satan uses with false education, he makes it so that you learn or your children learn a false picture of God. God is not love. So that you would fear or despise God. You end up hating God and leaving a church, becoming an atheist the rest of your life, living a lifestyle totally contrary to what you've grown up in, and then you end up disobeying and not serving God. Satan's methods today is to get us to not love God. That's his main goal. And he's using the methods, he's using the system of education, teaching a Greek philosophy of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, to using the methods to get us and our children not to know God. And he's been very successful within our own church this morning. There's a man named E.A. Sutherland, who I consider one of the greatest educators in the Adventist church. And he penned these words, I'm going to read to you these words right here on this paper, on the pink paper. He's penned these words. And these words woke me and shook me up, because this, this man was actually the president of three of our colleges. A very great man. I read all of his books. He's a good author on education. He said, of what use is the preaching of the gospel on one day of the week, while six days out of seven, paganism guides the intellect. Why sit dreaming of heaven, church, Honakar church? Why do we sit dreaming of heaven, or even spend money to proselyte, or evangelism, or tent meetings, or saving souls, while pagan education leads your own children by the hand, and weaves about their mind a network of theories which blind their eyes to spiritual truth. Does that make sense, beloved? We got our children one day a week in Sabbath school, one hour in Sabbath school, and we think we're going to transform their whole life 
and six days a week they're working in a pagan school education in public school. Or they're working in this Christian school that's just a modified Christian school with a little salt and pepper of Bible texts and praying before classes. We think that we're transforming the lives of our children, thinking one day a week and if they even listen to the sermon. We think we're going to transform their lives. And then we wonder, we wonder as a church, why is our children not coming to church? Why is I've written down all that I can for them and they're not coming to church anymore? Or maybe they're coming to church but they're not even spiritually minded. They're just there. Because we're fighting against a system that Satan has used to make sure that your children do not know the love of God. How sad that is. Before Moses was called out to lead God's people, he first had to spend 40 years out in nature to unlearn what he learned through the Egyptian schools of education before God was able to use him to lead out his people from the land of Egypt to Canaan. And the same way, beloved, God not only wants us to learn every week and to study on our own about Him and His truth and His love and to know all about His character. God not only wants us to learn that about Him, but He also wants us to unlearn what we learned in the past. I've always think about even homeschool parents. They want to educate and teach their parents, children at home. Great. And I know I'm not trying to step on any toes here because most of you, a lot of you are homeschooled. But they're trying to teach their children, but what are they teaching from what experience? They're teaching from what they learned in school. So they really pass it on what they learn to their own children in a different way. This morning, our perceptions of God need to be changed. And we all need to be healed from His destructive effects. And God is the only one that can do this for us this morning. He's the only one that can move our thinking into another direction. He's the only one that create within all of us a totally, completely different picture of God this morning. He's the only one that can transform our fears. For the Bible says, perfect love casts out all what? Fears this morning. That we will not be afraid of God. Beloved, this morning, don't you want to know God that you may truly love Him this morning? Don't you want to see a different perspective of who He really is? Don't you want to catch just one distinctive glimpse of his matchless charms this morning? Beloved, I want to do that this morning. How about you? Amen? This morning we've been tainted. Our minds have been, been ruined by Satan and our, our educational system. I've been tainted. I know that my education in the past, what I've received, has messed me up where I have a hard time seeing the love of God. I know many of you have probably experienced that experience also. We wonder why we fall back into this same cycle of it's a burden to serve God. Because the world, by its education, knew not God. And knowing God is eternal life this morning, beloved. This morning, if you want to truly fall in love with God, to know Him, that He may create in you a new thought, a new mind to fall in love with Him, then why don't you let Him come into your life to reveal to you that God is love. If this is your desire, 
Would you raise your hand to me this morning? Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.